Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face. -face. I'm your host, and I'm standing with Ashley from, I almost said Alpine from Ashley. <laughs> Ashley from Alpine. Listen, we praise the true and living God for allowing us to participate in this ministry. May he be with you and us tonight. We also have a very special guest coming up after uh, we talk for a minute uh, with Ashley. Uh, that's Dr. Josh Durham, who is going to do a presentation on uh, a very fascinating uh, presentation on, um, well, I'll let him tell you, okay? Uh, but right now we're going to hear uh, for a second from Ashley, who how long ago LDS? Six, well, I left six months ago, but I've been LDS for 32 years since it, I've been born. That red light and okay. that round disc and that handsome man behind it, just tell him the story. All right. Well, basically, my whole life I've been a devout Mormon. And, uh, you know, I feel like through your teenage years, you don't really get what it is. You become a mother and you get, you get married and you become a mother. And do you feel to be accepted? You, you got to do what everybody else does. And uh, that's when I started becoming numb, if that makes sense to anybody out there. The harder I tried to find God, and no offense to anybody who has found God there, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is I wanted to know God, Jesus Christ, have a relationship, and the more I tried, the more I said, where are you? And I went every week. I did everything they said. They said, read, read your scriptures. I did. Do your visiting teachings. Oh, I did. I did everything they asked, and the more and more and more, I went, God, where are you? And I went to the temple every week, and it was finally when um, I was in the temple, and I, and I knew when he literally said, I, and I, this is no offense to anybody out there, but I am not there. I'm, I'm over here. And I left. And, I, and here's, the, here's the other thing. The whole, the whole concept and the whole, you know, people say this all the time in the church. Well, the people aren't perfect, but the church is. So I said, how true is it? And I searched it out. And uh, when I found the truth, I felt betrayed. I felt hurt. And then I turned to God and I said, God, it's you I want to know. And I found, well, God led us to a wonderful pastor in Pleasant Grove uh, Baptist Church. What's his name? Pastor Mike, Pastor who is Mike here. What? Pastor Mike Bagley. And, and, and what church is it? Uh, First Baptist Church of Pleasant Grove. Excellent. Yes. And they're wonderful and we accept everybody. And he took us in and he said, Here's the word of God. And I said, what is that? The Bible. It's the word of God. And I had to reprogram my mind to think the word of God. But when it comes into you, it's true. All the, the stuff that's poisoning you and making you depressed. Women, I know you know what I'm talking about. You feel numb. You feel sad. You, you say, where is God? Why isn't he forsaking me? I do everything you ask. When he is in your heart, you understand clearly everything in that relationship. You don't just get the tidbits through the, the, the motions of doing something. You get it all the time. It is real, and it's real for everybody. And I praise God, and I praise you for this show. It's helped me learn a lot and reprogram my mind. So I think you're a wonderful servant for our Lord. A wonderful jackass. Now, listen, yeah. <laughs> Ashley, she, this is heartfelt. She just came up, just asked her just now. Uh, you can see she's emotional. She's full of, and what she's describing is what everybody who comes out and finds the Lord describes. He's in you, and suddenly things start, you see things differently, and life Completely. is different. It's beautiful. It, listen to It's this. beautiful. I mean, honestly, I'm alive, and I've been reborn. I was baptized, 
My pastor baptized me. That's how true it is. You can go as fast or slow. I'm not saying to go as fast as me, but I tell you what, when he heals you, he heals you and you get it and you get it. Praise God. Praise Thank God. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Uh, I see that our, uh, our, uh, our uh, equipment has really moved up in standards. What we have here is a, what is this thing called? A binder clip to hold my microphone on. Um, so there you go. Anyway, we love TV20 and they do their best. Uh, listen, please take careful note of what I'm about to tell you. December will mark our anniversary of uh, seven years of mini doing ministry here in, in Utah. And um, seven years straight, we've done the show every week without fail. Uh, the Bible studies, the church, and uh, the Lord has uh, given us the strength to do it without ever missing a week. Um, and, uh, but I find myself in need of a break. And so uh, age and stress have taken their toll, and I am experiencing for the first time in ministry what they call burnout. Uh, and so what we're going to do is after tonight's program, we are going to take uh, the month of December off. That's off from all ministry activities, no church gatherings, no programs, no live programs, no tapings, no speaking engagements, no counseling, uh, nothing um, until January 1st of 2013, where we will go live here again on TV20 with a whole new uh, set of programs for 2013, which I might be able to talk about later on. Uh, in the meanwhile, we will be running four of our favorite programs from the past here on Heart of the Matter, but don't come to the studio for live taping in the month of December because nobody will be here. Uh, keep us in your prayers as we keep you in ours, and, and then consider joining us again at campus as well, up at the U of U on the first weekend of January, January 6th, a Sunday. Listen, uh, Calvary, Lifeway Christian Bookstore on State Street in Murray is having a book signing this Saturday. December 1st from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. with Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. They're promoting their newest book, Answering Mormon's Questions. We got a copy of that today here at the studio. I haven't looked at it yet, but it look, outside looks really nice. Uh, Bill McKeever is an excellent Christian apologist. He knows Mormonism very well, and he's going to be at Lifeway Christian Books, which is the best Christian bookstore in Utah, bar none, because they're the only ones left. Uh, but anyway, they are a great bookstore. So go support them this Saturday, December 1st, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and pick up an autographed copy of McKeever and Johnson's latest book, Answering Mormon, Mormon's Questions. Now, I also received, and I didn't bring it up here with me, darn it, but Sandra Tanner has a new book out as well. I did thumb through that tonight. Uh, as we got it, and uh, really informative, 42 questions, I think it was, uh, or changes. You know, go, go to utlm.org, check it out, call Sandra, go over by the bookstore. It's a brand new book and uh, full of information, uh, and so we're, we're touting that. We received a couple of interesting photographs, and uh, one of them is just so humorous. Uh, if you can see that, uh, that is a award stake, and that's literal. that's not photoshopped. There's literally a, a stake or a ward house out there that has deaf, blind area sign outside of it. And uh, I don't need to make a comment. I mean, it's just a really beautiful picture, isn't it? Okay, and then we also have more and more people sending in uh, themselves at uh, uh, places, Zion National Park. This couple wrote and told us, Derek, do you remember their names? 
Derek sent it to me. Derek has a cold, so he's not really fully in. Uh, he, I think he's on NyQuil tonight. But in any case, um, they said, you know, it was a little scary for us to wear those shirts around the park, but they did it, and I guess it uh, brought out some great conversation with people. So if you are a possessor of a Joseph Smith shirt, please uh, take a picture of yourself wherever you are, and we will put it here on the air. Uh, listen, because of time, we are going to cut out a, a segment that we will cover in the first show of 2013, and we're going to get right to our guest. So let me, uh, let's begin with a prayer. Father, uh, we seek you and need you in our lives, uh, as you well know, but sometimes we even forget. So we pray that you will send your spirit in abundance here to be with us, our studio audience, our audience, wherever they may be watching live uh, and watching in the future. Be with our guest tonight um, as uh, he articulates the information that he has studied and is about to present help him to uh, be able to reach people who are searching in a new way, um, backed fully by your Holy Spirit. Bless our staff, bless our volunteers, and those who are coming out into the living relationship with you, Lord. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Josh, Dr. Please come up. Uh, it has been uh, my honor to uh, introduce our special guest tonight, Dr. He uh, was born and raised in Twin Falls, Idaho. Uh, he was raised LDS. He has a bachelor's degree in biology at Idaho State University. He received a medical degree uh, in 2005, uh, residency at Research Family Practice, board certified with the American Board of Family Physicians. And Josh, I am going, you have a microphone, yeah. you're set. Yeah. I am going to take my stuff off here and give you the floor to talk about your topic tonight, and I'm going to let you introduce it. Thank you. Thanks, my friend. I want to thank Sean for letting me come tonight. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different show than what you guys are used to. Tonight I'm going to discuss psychology and Mormonism. Just a little bit of background information on myself. I was a member for 31 years of the LDS Church, and I left in, in October of 2010. And I want everybody up front to know that I left for legitimate reasons. I didn't leave because somebody had hurt me or disrespected me. I actually left for a legitimate reason and a legitimate concern. And so I, after I left, being a physician, I was quite confused as to how I, I got kind of caught up in this. And I decided I wanted to do some research to see if I could figure out uh, the psychology of what makes people believe in things that are so obviously not true. So tonight, I'm here to present my information to you and to discuss the psychology of what makes people believe that the LDS Church is true. I'm going to start off by discussing what mind control is versus brainwashing. And then I'm going to discuss something called bite, the bite model, which is a mnemonic that was termed by Stephen Hassan, who's the America's leading mind control expert. Then I'm going to discuss a psychological technique called the double bind. And I'm going to show you how these two techniques are used in mind control organizations, such as the Jehovah Witnesses, the Moonies, People's Temple, the Muslims, Heaven's Gate, and even many Christian churches. Also, uh, I'll tie it in to specifically how Mormonism meets these criteria as well. So first off, uh, we should have a, a graphic um, of brainwashing versus mind control. Um, that's the wrong one. It should be brainwashing versus mind control. When a person is... Um, Keep going. Okay, well, they must have lost it. But 
So what this, the, in brainwashing, people that are being brainwashed are know up front that they're being deceived. The person is usually physically abused or tortured, and the person brainwashing them is always seen as an enemy. They always have their life threatened or maybe a family member's life threatened. And what they do is they end up getting what's called thought reform and changing their way of thinking in order to preserve their life. But what that does is that causes thought reform and makes them dependent on a group leader. Now, mind control is different. It's more of a sophisticated and subtle trick. It is, the person that it's being perpetrated on has no idea that they're being deceived. There's no physical abuse or torture that is carried out, and it's usually done by a friend or a peer or somebody seen in a, as an authoritarian, authoritarian figure. And the people that are doing it don't even realize that they're part of the system in doing it themselves. The person that being perpetrated on does not feel any type of threat or danger to their life, and they usually perceive it as a positive outcome, but regardless, it still will cause what's called thought reform and bind them to an organization's leader. So right off the get-go, when people say, oh, the LDS are brainwashed, that's completely false. Brainwashing is, a complete, is an offensive term, and the LDS people are not brainwashed. But I am going to show you how, in fact, they are under mind control over the next 20 minutes. And I, would and I want you to know that the studies have shown that up to 65% of people are prone to mind control. And it's not because people are stupid. It's because we're human beings, we want to fit in, we want to belong, and we want to be told how to live and what to do. The average person's IQ in these organizations and groups can be up over 130, according to studies. So um, I studied this mind control from the expert, as I said, Stephen Hassan. He was recruited in the 70s by the Moonies, who some of you may have heard of. And after a couple of years, he was able to get out and be deprogrammed. And he did research himself and, um, and, be, and went through schooling and became an expert in this field. And he came up with one of the most important research uh, items, which is what's called the BITE model. It's a mnemonic which shows the four areas of how a group achieves mind control over an individual, making them dependent on a group leader. So the, we should have a graphic for this, or the BITE model. So the B in the BITE model stands for behavioral control. The I stands for informational control. The T stands for thought control. And the E stands for emotional control. Now, according to the theory of cognitive dissonance, if you are able to change one of those areas, the others will shift over time. And as soon as you change all four of those areas in an individual, they will be under mind control. So first off, we'll discuss behavior. These organizations will do behavior modifications to control their members. Um, they will tell people what to wear, how to wear their, their clothes, their hair, earrings, tattoos. They will, they will tell them what to eat and drink. They'll regulate their time. They will regulate their interactions with people. They will demand perfection and strict obedience. At times, they will have bizarre rituals and ordinances. And they will always have some type of financial obligation or dependence on the group. So let's compare this to the LDS church. The LDS church regulates what its members wear. You're always to wear your garments 24-7. You must always be in business attire, white shirt, white tie. Clean groomed, one piercing, no tattoos. Uh, they regulate what you eat and drink by the word of wisdom. They regulate your time 
by callings and excessive time commitments for indoctrination. Recent studies have shown that on average, LDS people will spend up to 22 hours a week doing church-related activities. Between family home evening, home teaching, scripture study, prayer, Wednesday night mutual, campouts, temple trips, three-hour blocks and meetings. And the whole purpose of this is to keep you so busy that you don't have time to slow down and to stop and think. You just keep putting your shoulder to the wheel and pushing along. They regulate who you interact with, especially when it comes to apostates. Apostates are forbidden. I had an example of this when I was a physician back in Kansas. I had several LDS patients that were coming to me as I was a member, which was nice. As soon as I decided to leave the church, the bishop announced to the congregation that they were no louder or longer to talk to me and they were no louder or longer to come to me as a physician. Because, again, the LDS church will regulate who you're able to interact with. And what was interesting in the Moonies, I found that the Moonies have their own special wedding ceremonies. They have their own special clothing that they wear. And they actually follow the law of consecration, which the LDS people were not faithful enough to do. But they also, just like these other organizations I mentioned, are regulated in all these behaviors. An example of strict obedience would be uh, the following quote, if we have the, the graphic. This is a quote from a uh, general conference in October 1960. It says, Always keep your eye on the president of the church, and if he ever tells you to do anything and it is wrong and you do it, the Lord will bless you for it. But you do not need to worry. The Lord will never let his mouthpiece lead the people astray. Now this is strict obedience. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. You just do it. You just let them make the decision for you and push on. So just like Mormons... All other mind control groups use these same tactics to control behavior. Next is I, which stands for information control. Now, I could do hours worth of material on how the LDS does information control, but I don't have time for that. But the way they do it is, is they will withhold information, they will outright lie or do truth bending or uh, just change history altogether. They will tell people what they can and can't read, and of course no critical literature is ever okay. It is immediately labeled as anti-material, which was ironic in the Moonies, they have their own term for such material which is called anti-moon. And I just cracked up laughing when I read that in, in these books and in my studies. Um, they, these organizations will always tell you the Bible is not trustworthy but that only they have the ability to interpret it correctly and all other interpretations are wrong. They will have pyramid-style doctrines. They'll have the milk versus the meat and the line upon line, precept upon precept. They won't tell you everything up front. They will encourage members to spy on each other and they will encourage extensive use of group materials such as church magazines, church newspapers, church photos, church books, etc. If, if someone's home is littered, with extensive group material, you should be concerned. That's not normal. They will tell you always that new revelations and scriptures trump the old stuff. So just pay attention to the new stuff. And classically, all these organizations will hide their leaders, false prophecies, or criminal or immoral behaviors and downplay them. Just like uh, the guy Sean had on here a few weeks ago, that Namelka guy. Just They'll just tell you that's all lies and none of that really ever happened, even if you have 
strict physical evidence. So some examples of information control. Boyd K. Packer has been quoted as, as saying, there is a temptation for the writer or the teacher of church history to want to tell everything, whether it is worthy or faith-promoting or not. Some things that are true are not very useful. Now, that's right, some things aren't very useful because if you tell the truth, it's going to shape your way of thinking. Another example would be when the LDS came out with their most recent video of Joseph Smith saying that it's the most accurate depiction of the martyrdom of Joseph Smith. Now my question to you is, does it show Joseph Smith with a gun, shooting it into the crowd and killing two men the day he died? No, they just leave it out because it's going to alter your way of thinking about Joseph Smith. An example of lying would be, uh, about, I think it was two to four weeks before Joseph Smith um, died, he was being accused of polygamy. And he gave a speech where he said, what a thing it is for a man to be accused of committing adultery and having seven wives when I can only find one. I am the same man and as innocent as I was 14 years ago. Now, that is a flat out lie. And when I read that, this is where I had my snapping point. Okay, a snapping point is when everything starts to unravel for you when you're in these kind of an organization and things starting to clear up for you. And when I was reading that quote and searching out, trying to find anywhere that Joseph Smith admitted to practicing polygamy, which he didn't, he lied about it till the day he died. And when I read that he was marrying other men's wives, 11 of them, he forced to have polyandrous relationships, which I verified at familysearch.org, I had my snapping moment. All of a sudden, bam. It came to me, and, and in my mind, I said, this man is a liar. He's a con man, and he cannot be trusted. And that's when the cards started to fall, and everything unraveled, and it all started making sense to me. Other examples of information control is easily Joseph Smith burning down the printing press. Missionaries not telling you the deep doctrines. My sister-in-law had the missionaries knock on her doorstep the other day, and of course I prepped her. And she flat out asked them, do you believe that you can become God someday? And they looked her right in the face and said, no, we don't believe that. It is an outright lie, but they don't want to tell you the doctrines until you're inside because it's a need-to-know basis and you must be indoctrinated in a pyramid-type scale. Um, spying. Now, this was interesting. I never thought about it this way, but actually, that is what home teaching serves to do. You go into someone's home, the two of you, and you are to find out, are you reading your scriptures? Are you praying? Are you obeying the word of wisdom? Are you doing all these behaviors you're supposed to be doing? And then you report back to your superiors. And if they're not doing those things, then you're sent back, or the missionaries are sent back, or they're brought in to do more behavioral modifications to get them in line. And that is exactly what, what, uh, what um, that is for. Um... They will instill in their members that everything is taken out of context. Everybody is a liar. These are all lies. And the internet is evil. And there's always some worldwide conspiracy against their organizations. Just keep in mind, a legitimate organization will allow members the freedom to read what they want, speak to who they want, and make their own decisions. A legitimate organization should do that. It makes sense. If you control somebody's information, you control them. It's like me being a physician. You come to me as a physician, and I'm going to prescribe you a drug. 
Now, do you want a physician who only listens to the drug reps and hears all the good about the drugs? Or do you want a physician who listens to the drug reps, goes and looks at the research and the studies, looks at the side effects, and then determines, is this a good drug for my patients or not? I think we all know the answer to that. So, all, again, all these organizations, just like the Mormons, will use information control, and it is completely unethical and immoral. The next is T, which stands for thought control. These, these groups will always instill in their members that they have the only truth and that they are the only way to salvation. They teach their, this is what is interesting, they teach their members what's called thought-stopping thought techniques. And what this does is this allows them to prevent critical thinking and shuts down their ability to think for themselves. So that's why when they're in a confrontation with somebody and they're getting kind of riled up and they, they don't know what to say, they're getting confused, somebody's making a good point, they're told to use one of these methods. And in the LDS church, we can see exactly what they do. When in doubt, bear your testimony. Because, and what happens is they bear their testimony, they sing a song, they pray to get out the evil spirits or the evil thoughts, or they tell you contention is of the devil, and they end the conversation. But what that does is that just shuts down their brain, they no longer listen, and they don't have a normal, rational conversation of the good and the bad of what you guys are talking about. They just shut down and won't discuss it anymore. And that is what a thought-stopping uh, thought technique is. If there's any questions in, uh, that you have, you're always to go to your superiors or to the apologist to answer them. You're not really supposed to figure them out on your own. They will instill in you that there is no critical question or concern or criticism about a leader or a doctrine that is legitimate. And there is absolutely never a legitimate reason to leave the organization. When I went to the temple two years before I left, I got pulled aside right before doing some initiatory work and, they put, and the guy kind of put his hand on me and said, hey, I don't want you to be alarmed. But the ceremony's changed a little bit, so I just want you to be aware of that. And man, when he did that, it was like, boom, I had this horrible feeling. I was confused and I sat through the whole thing. Didn't, I didn't listen to a word anybody said. And I just kept saying in my mind, God is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. And it just didn't make sense to me. And when we got done, I said, I asked him, I said, well, why in the world did God change the ceremony? It doesn't make any sense. We're supposed to do this the way it was done 6,000 years ago, just like we're supposed to do baptism a certain way. It has to be done. That's what you've always told me. I said, well, some people were a little uncomfortable. They felt it was a little immodest. So we thought we would change it to make them feel a little more comfortable. And I just kept thinking to myself, that's not an acceptable answer. Why would God give in to man? Well, I was out in the parking lot with my father afterward, and I told him my experience, and I told him, man, I don't want to ever go back in there. I should have never felt that way in there. And he said, ah, don't worry about it. Trust the brother, and they know what they're doing. It doesn't bother me one bit. And then he put his arm around me, and he said, maybe the problem was you just weren't worthy, and you shouldn't have been in there. Because again, it's always the person's fault. It's never the organization's, just as Ashley said in her introduction. It is the organization, people. It is not your fault. It is okay to doubt. It, it, these organizations just instill in you that it's always something you do wrong. They teach you that, uh, they indoctrinate you to believe that apostates left because they aren't good enough. They couldn't live up to their potential. They did something wrong. They were hurt by somebody. 
And now they're untrustworthy liars, so don't listen to them, don't talk to them. That's what all these organizations do, and the LDS do it also. And then we see this happen week after week. What this does to you is this makes you try to find fault in the person talking. Just like every week they call in and they just belittle Sean for what he's wearing, for being, maybe he's a little overweight, maybe he looks a little sloppy, whatever. But they attack the person and they don't attack the information because that is what you've been indoctrinated to do. Um, an example of this with, uh, with the Moonies was interesting. I read the book and Stephen Hassan talks about he was giving a lecture to the media and some Moonies were sent in to spy on him and report back, you know, and so he gives this lecture, he's, he's talking about mind control and all this, just like what I'm doing tonight. And then afterward, he's all excited, thinking, I might have woke these guys up, and he goes in to talk to the, the Mooney guys, and he runs them down in there, and they just look at him, and they said, he goes, what'd you guys think? And they said, you are such a liar. The devil has deceived you, and we can't believe you would do this to Messi the Messiah, because they believed that Mr. Moon was the Messiah, that he proved biblically. And he was just flabbergasted. They did exactly what they were indoctrinated to do. Well, surprisingly to me, a year ago, I was asked to give a talk at a Tea Party convention on Mormonism and, and politics. It was announced in the newspaper, and the church found out. Well, they sent in their own two spies, two women. And it was comical because everybody in the group knew each other. And then these two women come in that nobody know. I knew them. They knew me. But that, they sat apart from each other. They didn't sit together. They made it look like they didn't know each other. And the minute I started talking, one of them pulled out their phone and started recording everything that I was saying. The other one was scribbling notes and had a handful of pamphlets to hand out. Before I could even finish, one of the ladies just couldn't take it anymore. And I talked about history, doctrines, and mind control just like I'm doing tonight. She got up and followed suit and did exactly what I told them the LDS will do. She stood up and told them I was nothing but a liar I have been deceived not to listen to me, don't trust me, I didn't know anything I was talking about, and she tried to totally decimate my character. And of course it didn't work. It just made her look worse. And then of course they went back and reported to their superiors so they could come up with a plan to do something back against me, I guess, I don't know. Um, so anyway, the Moonies, the Mormons, and all these mind control organizations, they all do the same thing and use the same techniques to control your thoughts. Lastly is E for emotion. These organizations will all use guilt and fear heavily. They will make you afraid to ever leave or question the group. They will use your family and your peers to manipulate your emotions and scare you from leaving and to keep you in line behaviorally. They will teach you that all feelings are from God, that good feelings are from God, bad feelings are from Satan. They will teach you that feelings are the ultimate source of truth. When we know full well, emotions are nothing more than a psychologically conditioned response. Just like when you hear a patriotic song or you see a happy ending to a movie. Or ironically, when I spoke to Christians after leaving the Mormon church and I felt the Holy Spirit as I did in Mormonism, it's a psychologically conditioned response. It's nothing more than Pavlov's dog. If any of you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to research that. They will control your fears by what's called phobias. And I should have a, a graphic for this. Phobia indoctrination is when irrational fears are implanted subconsciously of ever leaving or questioning the group. 
Examples would be, there's no happiness outside of the group. Terrible consequences will happen to you if you leave. You will lose your family for eternity. God won't hear your prayers. You will be a, a failure if you leave. You will be, oh, well, and then the worst one is, I think, uh, in the temple. When Satan, you get done with your initiatory work, or, well, the endowment session, whatever, and he turns to you, and the screen is right in your eyes, right in your face. You're looking Satan right in the eye, and he says, if you don't keep your covenants today, you will be mine for eternity. Now, that is phobia indoctrination. That is an irra irrational fear implanted into your subconscious to scare you from ever leaving. And it's not true. And it, this happened in my own life. When I left the church, I went to my wife a week later and I said, Honey, we don't have a celestial marriage anymore. Our, I'm worried that we're going to end up getting a divorce, that our family's going to fall apart. And she just looked at me and she about slapped me in the face. She couldn't believe I would say something so irrational, so stupid. But it's because I'd, been, I'd had phobia indoctrination done to me. Examples of guilt... Uh, use would be the unethical use of confession. Now, a lot of us, may, may, uh, maybe not all of us, have been to courts of love. I, was, I had a period in my life where in my 20s where I was disfellowshipped and I had to go to a court of love. And I had to stand up and tell all of my sins, every gory little detail. It wasn't enough just to say, I broke the law of chastity. They wanted every detail in front of 12 men. Now, that is completely humiliating and unethical. It didn't need to happen. Um, they will use your past sins to manipulate you. There will never be forgiveness or absolution of sins without complete obedience. Examples in the LDS Church of this is, those who receive forgiveness and then repeat the sins are held accountable for their former sins. In order to remain forgiven, we must never commit the sin again. Now, I can give you dozens more examples of quotes like this, but for time's sake, I, I, I don't have time, and I could do that for all these sections. Every mind control organization uses emotions to manipulate their members. And another technique they use is something called the double bind. And this is when you put a, a person in a situation where no is not an option. And this is exactly what the Book of Mormon challenge is, okay? They come to you, they encourage you, read, pray about this book, pray about the church, based on this limited information that we've given you. That only, the only information we want you to see, and then don't read any of this critical information over here. That's all bad stuff. And if you read that, you're not going to get the right answer. And then they tell you how to interpret your answer to prayer. And of course, it's going to be an emotion is what they tell you. It's going to be this feeling, which we've already discussed how emotions are irrelevant and conditioned responses. And so the person feels like they have three options, but in reality, they only have one option. But they feel like they could say yes, no, or I don't have an answer yet. Well, if you say yes, hooray, let's have a baptism. If you come back with a different answer, the missionary is already pre-programmed to tell you what to do. And that is, well, maybe you're doing something wrong. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe you're not worthy to receive an answer to that prayer. Let's modify your behaviors. Let's stop drinking coffee. Let's stop drinking tea. Quit smoking. Get around more of us. Come to church. Befriend us. Let's get comfortable. And they will go back and forth with you, continuing to modify your behaviors, continuing to tell you there's something wrong with you until you get all this guilt and shame and either give in and subconsciously get the answer that they want you to get or until you get mad and tell them to leave you alone. But they will never give up because the only option is yes. 
There is no option of no when it comes to the Book of Mormon challenge, and that is a double bind. Now, in summary, I'm going to just go over the top ten reasons that you should be concerned that you may be under mind control in your organization, okay? Number ten, your organization does not allow scrutiny. Number nine, you run to your leaders and apologists to explain away all of your concerns. Number eight, you are unhappy in your organization, but you can't see leaving as an option. Number seven, you dismiss facts because, quite frankly, they scare you. Number six, you think there is no happiness ever outside of the group and your life will crumble. Uh, number five, you had to change your behavior in order to become worthy to receive the correct answer to prayer. Number four, you fear anti-material because you think that the devil will deceive you. Number three, you think emotions is a sign for truth. Number two, you don't think anyone could ever have a legitimate reason to leave your organization. And number one, you think there is a worldwide conspiracy against your group. Now, in closing, I just want to reiterate, all mind control organizations use the bite model and the double bind techniques to get you to believe what they are teaching and to be bound to their group leader. They're going to alter your behavior, they're going to limit your information, they're going to control your thoughts, they're going to control your emotions, and they're going to destroy your ability to do critical thinking. And there's only one way to prevent this. It is to not give up your ability to do critical thinking. Don't give up the ability to look at the positives and negatives of any organization or any information that's given to you. And most definitely don't let emotions decipher truth. This is exactly why the Bible teaches time and time again. The heart is deceitful, it's untrustworthy, it beareth false witness, and it cannot be trusted. Trust yourselves. I want to thank Sean for letting me come on to this show. I hope this made sense to everybody. I do have one more slide with some suggested readings for everyone. And um, uh, the Stephen Hassan, he has a website called freedomofmind.com. That's where I got the majority of this information, as well as these two books, uh, Combating Cult Mind Control, Releasing the Bonds, Empowering People to Think for Themselves. If you Google Stephen Hassan, you will have dozens of lectures you can watch and listen. And a lot of them don't say anything about Mormonism. But he did actually give a talk to the Ex-Mormon Conference, read Robert J. Lifton's book on thought reform and psychology. But just research. Look at it for yourself. Do the comparisons that I've done and see what you think. Excellent job. Round of applause. That's really great. Really good. Thanks. We did a uh, 17 minutes with uh, Bishop Earl a while back, and uh, we're going to do the same thing. I don't know how many minutes this was, 25. Uh, but... Uh, Excellent information and uh, just really well done, Joshua. Uh, we open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. Um, there's only one thing I disagreed with that uh, Joshua said. He said, I was a little overweight. I'm a lot overweight. <laughs> but he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, we have a, a thing. Caller has said he received a certified letter from LDS Bishop. It was from his bishop inviting him to a Christmas party. He's been inactive 35 years. Wants to know if maybe this is a way of tracking him. Uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. <laughs> and they're yeah. going to send your home teachers in. 
to, to do these things that what we talked about. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate with this and see what I talked about and how that this this uh, this uh, flow, this this uh, technique works in the LDS church. Absolutely. We uh, we have a call here from Joseph. He's LDS from Holiday, and yet line one's not lit up. Derek, what do you think? Did we unplug it with our stepping? Uh, two's not lit up either. I'll try it. Joseph. Hello. Joseph, you're on the air. You got to turn your TV down. It's down. Okay, you're on the air. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe there's a delay. Who am I talking to? You're talking to Sean and Josh. Oh, okay. Is that you there, Sean? It is. Oh, I, my TV turned down, but I guess it doesn't correlate with... Uh, the TV doesn't correlate with what we're talking about, so that's why it has to be done oh, completely. Okay. How do you... How can you change your look so much? Is it? I have a <laughs> severe identity crisis. I don't know what I am. I. <laughs> you know the best way, the best look was that kind of blonde wavy hair where you're with that woman that was helping uh, uh, rescue the Mormons, get them out of Mormon, get them out of the cult. You know. Uh, yeah, okay. you like the blonde wavy hair, you know the. Well, that would that would be the most stylish, and then I don't know. I think a full beard, honey, you kind of look like you got an early Mormon uh, prophet goatee or something. Joseph, now. can we talk about something that's important? Well, yeah, I, I, this guy, this young man, he just seems kind of angry he's not talking like gandhi or uh you know quiet and like the uh, dalai lama it's uh, it's a little harder to buy when somebody's angry or defensive or so like let him let, let him address that so huh? First, two things. First is, anytime somebody looks to be attacking your beliefs, you're gonna you're gonna feel like you're being attacked, and that you're and that uh, that the person's angry. I'm not angry. I feel bad. I feel bad for people that are caught up in these mind control organizations and caught up in these systems. Oh. But second of all, you're doing exactly what I said. Can't you sit down and hold on? You're have doing a cup of coffee and talk. A I don't, actually don't like burr. coffee, but huh? you're you're doing what I said. These people, you've been indoctrinated to, to call and attack me. Oh, wait a minute. Look for a reason to attack me and not the information I presented. So, so what you've done is you've followed uh, the pattern. No, I, I've been in and out of combat in Vietnam. I mean, I've been, uh, Welcome to our I've uh, been out on the road uh, more than Kerouac. Uh, <laughs> I've been around the world. I just got back from South America. Uh, I don't think there's some... Uh, you know, 26-year-old kid, the return missionary that's got me mind screwed, you know what I mean? Well, if I had a nickel for every person who knew they were under mind control, I'd be a billionaire. Yeah, but when you say mind control, I mean, I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I went to Columbia University. Okay, so do you know about the Zimbarto prison study? I'm sorry? Do you know about the Zimbarto prison study? Yeah, but do they do that all at the ward, lock them in a room? And no, but those are those are examples of how this is done. The the mind control is more subtle. Do you have you have you read Robert J. Lifton's book on thought reform and psychology? 
Oh yeah, yeah. And you don't you don't what, see what any I'm parallels. getting at here is, uh, you know, now let me just ask you a question. Let's okay. say all this is hogwash. You know, all of the uh, uh, additional stuff beyond the Bible, the Book of More More Onion or More Munion rather, and everything else is just false. What if I here tonight say? that I hereby take Jesus into my heart and that uh, I see him as the Savior and not Joseph Smith and uh, that I see him superior to Joseph Smith or the prophet and I follow Jesus first and uh, everything else. Am I a Christian? Only God knows that. You can say what you want. Even the devils believe. Uh, well, I know, but... but so you you couldn't say you couldn't say that I'm not a Christian, right? I don't say who's a Christian and who's not, never. So I can but I can say this and, and be a Christian, right? Well, I would say this: it would really be very unusual for you to profess Christ as God, who died for you, and you're saved by grace and everything, and to remain a Mormon. That, I accept mean, all that. I accept everything you say. Yeah, that would really be strange for you to remain a Mormon or to remain really in any. What does it matter if I'm str What if I'm a? Can I? Can I go do uh, uh, some Buddhism and and do why some meditation do, and? Uh, you want to do meditation, sure, but Buddhism. Why would you bring Andy, Buddhism? Gandhi says he's a Mormon and a Hindu and a Catholic. Yeah. And no. uh, he's everything. You know, uh, Joseph. You, you're kind of playing little games with us here, you know, and it's... What do you mean a game? Now, when you say game, Joseph, now, yeah, what I do you mean, mean game. game? I mean game, Joseph. Joseph, can I ask you a question? Is there a... Do you think of any legitimate reason to leave the church? Do I have what? Do you have a legit... Could you think of a legitimate reason to leave the church? Well, I don't know that uh, it's doing any harm. It's kind of like no, that's a, not what I asked. That's not what like I asked. a copper bracelet on your arm. Is it hurting anybody? You're avoiding the question. Well, how is it hurting anyone? He asked you a question. Can you think well, of a legitimate reason to leave the LDS church? Is there anything that if you ever saw or found would make you think, I need to leave this church, and this is a legitimate reason? Like what? I'm asking you. I knew what was legitimate for me. It's our, it's our, it's our what was the main okay, reason you left, Sean? What? The main reason I left was because... Number one, what was it? Polyandry. It was why? Polyandry. Well, what's wrong with... I went, out, I went back to Columbia, and you know, my professor looked at me and he said, You damn Mormons, you think you got the... Uh, Marking on this polygamy. We've been practicing for so, years. And I the, said polyandry. That is different than polygamy. Well, there's polygyny and polyandry. I don't know. You mean more than one, a woman having more than one man? Yes. Who's, uh, who, what woman has more than one man? Eleven of Joseph Smith's wives, Zena Huntington was my favorite, had. Well, do you understand husbands. the two kinds of polygamy? I understand uh, polyandry yeah. and polygamy. Oh, you got it mixed up. Poly polygyny is a man one with one more one. than one woman. Polyandry is uh, a, um, a man, a woman with more than one man. Okay, did Joseph Smith have a woman? You're, you're confused. No, I'm not. You're confused because you don't know the facts. Joseph Smith had 11 polyandrous wives. 
as well as over 30 Polygynous. other polygamy. It's polygyny. No, you're, you're, you're mistaken, Joseph. Polygyny With all your education polyandry. and your David Ogden Steyer's attitude of this, <laughs> you are wrong, Joseph. You're wrong. Oh, no. And you have this 26-year-old kid you know telling you so. No, listen. Joseph, That's a sociological term. Polygamy. We understand that. We get that. A woman. I know. All right. But Joseph Smith. Kind of more than one husband. Listen. And then there's a man with more than one wife. Now, what is it called with a woman with more than one man? Polyandry. And Joseph Smith. Polyandry. Polyandry. Eleven of Joseph Smith's yeah. wives. See, Sean's, polyandry. Sean's nodding his head. He agrees. You're All confused. right. Well, I think we're done, Joseph. And no more heroin before calling in. All right? All right. Wow. That's tough. It, isn't it tough? Yeah. They go after you. I they, have way more respect thanks. for you now. Thanks. You understand the weight now, baby. I'm, <laughs> only tacos can calm me. All right. We're going to Wayne in Cottonwood Heights. Wayne, you're on Heart of the Matter with Joshua and Sean. Yes, Sean. Yes, you're on the air. How are you doing tonight? Doing well since he's taking most of the heat. Yeah. My question is, uh, Monday's paper indicated that uh, the LDS Church was trying to sell themselves as being Christian. Uh -huh. And they've gone to quite an expense. I remember seeing it on television and also in the newspapers. What's your uh, view of it? Well, they're a tremendous marketing machine. They know how to manipulate the media and, uh, you know, just... 25, 35 years and back, they wanted nothing to do with Christianity. Uh, in fact, God told Joseph that all of Christianity was an abomination, and missionaries used to knock on doors and tell everybody that and teach that. But you see, they've really become a political machine, and they want to grow now. They've become much more uh, world-based, and so they really want to be known. And it's just, it's just uh, deception. I know in New York, they've launched this huge promotion, all the subways, taxi cabs, uh, uh, Central, what is it, Times Square has all their ads going on about Christmas and Christ and love and family. But bottom line, you know, if you look at the doctrine, just look at the doctrine, they are not Christian at all. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I agree with you. Hey, we appreciate the call, Wayne. Thank you much for your program. Have a good sabbatical and we'll look for you in 13. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Sabbatical. I like that word. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was at Kinko's copying the notes for today and this was in the trash. And when you're here living in Utah, things in Kinko's are interesting that are in the trash because <laughs> it's all from primary and relief society. Okay, so this came right from a ward, just from a ward. They're on the top of the trash. Parable of the bread. Just a humble loaf of bread, but twas once a bowl of paste, which, if left in the condition, would surely have gone to waste. But when needed, it was changed into something good to eat by some kind and loving hands and an internal of heat. We, like that loaf of bread, must be needed to become what the Lord desires of us ere we return back home, but we cannot need ourselves we must all serve one another with kind and loving hands, just like our elder brother. Okay? I don't know a Christian on earth who would call Jesus and refer to him in that familial term, their elder brother. 
He is Lord and King and Savior and God. And this, this is how they demean it. Now, they say we're Christian. They say we don't believe that. They say he is, he's a God and the, you know, all these things. But right there in the top of the trash heap at Kinko's today, we have somebody in their ward with a poem about him being elder brother. That is where it really comes out, is where the grassroots and what they still continue to teach. And every Latter-day Saint knows it. Any comments on that, Joshua? No. <laughs> Sorry to put you on this one. No, okay. okay. Listen, uh, in episode 337, you were trying to remember the name of the person who said, do not seek Adolf Hitler with your mind. You will find him through the strength of your hearts. You were trying to remember the name and said it was Hermann Goring. It was actually Rudolf Hess. So just a correction there to keep you uh, informed. When we come back next year, as a FYI, we are going to call the year Doctrine Makes the Man 2013. Some of the categories will be the wild and strange from Joseph Smith's life. This will include the first miracle. Do you know what it was? This will include speaking in tongues in the Kirtland Temple, the kinderhook plates and the Greek Psalter, financial revelations and revelations to men and women, which you were uh, relating to how he would send them out on missions and then take their wives, stuff like that. All true, utlm.org, find out those facts. We're going to take statements from Brigham Young, including Adam God, we're going to take odd and sundry events, including their ideas on Cain, uh, Three Nephites, and Zelf. We're going to talk about little-known facts. We're going to talk about from the tree, and we're going to go into an extensive time looking at Mark Hoffman, the Lafferty brothers, Mark Hacking, Sean Merriman, and Michael Marin, some more renowned LDS people who were once full-time believers, who kidnapped girls, made them their polygamous wife, things like that. From the tree, we are going to talk about uh, amazing statements made by Joseph Fielding Smith, Mark E. Peterson, Bruce R. McConkie, <coughs> Spencer W. Kimball, Ezra Taft Benson, Gord B. Hinckley. We're going to talk about Mormonism and food storage, Mormonism and sex, and Mormonism and business. You guys are going to all email and say, when's the Mormonism and sex one coming out? I know what you're like, uh, especially... <laughs> especially Joseph there snorting heroin and calling us. And then we have uh, Mormonism and business, Mormonism and Utah culture, and then we're going to have uh, parts one and two of the worst conference talks ever given in Mormon history. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun year because we're going to kind of break away from all the, the uh, Book of Mormon stuff and all the doctrine and get right into um, that fun stuff. We're going to go to Jeff in Syracuse. Jeff, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Uh Hey, Sean, I just wanted to uh, appreciate all the uh, awesome work that you do on the show. Uh, I watch you every week, and uh, uh, like the stories tonight uh, you're telling, uh, made me think about why I left the LDS Church years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I went through a, kind of a nasty divorce, and uh, people in the church that I thought were my friends uh, no longer uh, wanted to have anything to do with me. So I found myself on the other side, and you know, I, uh, you know, I laugh about it now. But looking back, I you know was traumatized by it because you know going through divorces, for, for starters, it just rips the family apart. And when you look to for support and help, you know, you obviously you look to your religion, and I found out they weren't there. And so after uh, you know, it took a while to heal, and and. Uh, I started my life over again, and and after I got moved in to my place here in Syracuse, uh, of course, uh, 
here comes uh, one of the bishopric members, and he wanted to start sending home teachers and uh, you know, want me to get back active again. And I, I just told him right there at the door, I never, I never let him in my house, but I just told him, I said, I went through my divorce alone. When I needed you, you weren't there. Yeah. And I said, and I found out something really interesting out of all of this, that I didn't need you then, and I don't need you now, so please don't come back. Mm. And so, so far they've pretty much respected, but they still try once in a while. They'll send one of the neighbors down to, to chat with Spy me. Spy on you. And I, and I know it's just all about uh, gathering information to see what I'm doing. Exactly. Of course, I don't tell them much more than uh, mowing my lawn or something like that. You know, I don't give them any details about my life because, for starters, my life is mine. It doesn't belong to them. Amen. Jeff, thanks so much, my brother. Thanks for watching. We appreciate it. All right, man. Hey, hey uh, I think you're doing great work, and uh, I, I, uh, I'll continue to watch you and, and uh, keep it up. You know, right. keep the faith in there, and don't let these uh, radicalists uh, drag you down. All right, my brother. Thank you. God bless. God bless you, too. Bye-bye. Josh, Thank you. thanks so much. Listen. If you are out there, you're going through a divorce, you're in prison, we get a lot of letters from people in prison, you're a homosexual, you're a lech, you like women, you're a wine, you, you're just like everybody else. You're just like everybody else. Go and know that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is calling to you. He is saying, come to me, let, let's have a relationship. That is what he's doing. Aside from religion, control, and all this junk that he was talking about, just you and him. Check it out. We'll see you next year on Heart of the Matter. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. Going to break my rusty cage and run. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage.